This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you about an experience I had a, a few months ago. Uh, our staff, our ministry leadership team, we go away about three times a year to uh, focus, to get the big view, the broad view of things, and set goals, and uh, check in with each other, and build relationships, and and so uh, a couple of months ago, in late April, we took a two-day retreat, and it was mainly about just hanging out with each other and enjoying each other's company and getting to know each other. And so one of the things we did was we had some free time, and about five of us took off in the woods on a walk, on trails, without a map or a guide. Basically, it was a bad idea. And... Uh, I took off uh, with uh, Tim Smith and um, Adam Parker, Brent Bollinger, and Jason Leininger. Just kind of keep those guys up there for a minute. And, uh, you know, this Discover My Ministry thing that we offer at church, there's a class tonight, and uh, I found out on my profile that I was really high on dominance and influence, and I was low on compliance and steadiness. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to try to work on the compliant part. So I said to the guys, you know, when we got to this trail, this trailhead, we could go on the cub trail or we could go on the bear trail. And I said, you guys choose, which is my way of saying I claim no responsibility for what happened next. And they chose the bear trail. And the bear trail kept going and going and going for miles. Now, it was a hot day. It was a hot day in April, 80-some degrees in the afternoon, and it's not because of my age, you understand, but I had trouble keeping up. I mean, Jason and our Adam and Tim with their long legs were setting the pace, and um, Brent, well, he was just always talking about Amy, and uh, Jason was just theologizing, and Jason does, and... I was just kind of there on my own, bringing up the rear. And the problem was the dogwoods were in full bloom. And I started clogging up, and I just couldn't hardly breathe. And I, finally I said, guys, guys, can we stop a minute? Well, finally we got them to stop. Now, it's not that these guys uh, were the only ones that weren't available or helpful that day, but the other parts of the staff were also kind of doing their thing. Don Thompson was the one that set this whole thing up in the first place, and I tried to call her, and uh, she was unavailable. Uh, Paula O'Donnell, who's a director of Serve Ministry, who's supposedly such a person of rich mercy and compassion, was getting a massage. Uh, Cheryl, our director of traditional worship, who we just honored a couple of weeks ago, was out reading a book. And where was Pastor Mason? He was kayaking somewhere. And so uh, I had no help that day on my own. Um, what did we do? We got lost. And we went on this long circle trail for miles and miles <laughs> and miles. And uh, finally, uh, we decided just to take off off the trail toward a blacktop, turn right, and move back into civilization. But I'm just saying that if you're lost in the woods, if you want to go out trailing somebody 
who would you like to go with of these four guys? Would you go with Tim Smith? Would you go with Jason Leininger? Would you go with Adam Parker? Would you go with Brent Bollinger? Well, the answer is none of the above. <laughs> Just saying. Well, we can get lost in life. You know, we can go wandering in the woods. And it's important to have a map, a trail map. It's important to have a compass or a GPS that works. Or it's helpful to have a physical guide or someone that can direct us. And so today, we're talking about spiritual guidance. We're talking about this whole idea of what do we do when we've lost our way in life, when we're wandering in the woods, when we're confused, who do we turn to? Who can you trust? What do you go by? What's the criteria? And so today, as we look at 1 John chapter 4, <coughs> we're looking at the scriptures. We're looking at some words that were written by an elder in the church, probably the end of the first century, probably a couple generations after Jesus had physically left the scene. And he's writing to people so they know how to find guidance, how to walk in truth, how to keep on track on their journey with God and to God. So I want to invite you to read with me, either on the screen or the words that are printed on the front of your Pray, Study, Grow material this morning. In the translation from the message, let's read the first verse. My dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. Now, the elder, John, is not very nice here. <laughs> calling preachers liars. What's up with that? What's the criteria? How do you find your guide? What we believe in is that there are some scriptures. In our own constitution of our church, of, of United Methodist Church, we have what's called the Articles of Religion and the Confession of Faith. And those articles... And that basic constitution understanding of who we are as a church says that everything pertaining to salvation, to the way to God and with God, is found in the Scriptures. And we also say that the Scriptures is the way of life, is for practice and the rule of life in knowing how to live our life. And so we believe that there are 66 inspired books in the Scripture, 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New. And that it's important to be able to learn to navigate our way using the map, using the words, using the guidance of Scripture. In many ways, it's a strange book. It's a foreign book. There are places that's very difficult to understand. What I encourage you to do, if you're someone that's a new person to the faith, is not to start with the Old Testament, not to start with Genesis, not to get lost in Leviticus. 
You know, some people start reading the Bible and they're looking for Jesus and you're never going to find Jesus' name in 39 books. So I suggest that with guidance, try one of two particular books to start with. Try the Gospel of Mark or the Gospel of John. The Gospel of Mark is the second gospel. It's the shortest gospel. It will really speak straight to the point. It doesn't presume a lot of information or religious jargon. And it helps us to understand who Jesus is and helps us to know how to be a follower of Jesus. You might just sit down for a couple hours and read that book. Or you might want to read the Gospel of John, which is a longer gospel. And John writes, most likely later than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John is writing to people so that they might believe in Jesus and know how to trust and place their faith in Jesus. And the reason that 1 John is taking such a kind of a, a hard knock on lying preachers is that the thing that they have gotten wrong is they've gotten it wrong about Jesus. And when we get it wrong about Jesus, we're going to lose our way in the woods, in life. You know, it's so easy for us, isn't it, to just kind of approach faith matters as kind of like a kaleidoscope, and we just kind of shake it up, and we're just going to go with whatever we feel like or do. Or we might think we can just do the cafeteria plan. You know, it, it works. You choose what you want to eat. Or in your insurance plan, you use the cafeteria plan to try to pick and choose what works for you and customize your health insurance. But when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to faith, if we just do that, just be totally subjective, we might get outsourced. You see, there's so many opinions in the world. What do you believe? Who do you believe? Who can you trust? What's the objective truth? It, it is confusing. And everyone's got their opinions. You know, you could ask me what my medical opinion is about something today. After all, I've got two uncles that were doctors. So I, would, I could give you my medical advice, but I don't recommend it. Or you could ask me my legal advice about anything you care to, and I'd be happy to give that to you. Susan has an uncle on her side of the family that's an attorney. I even know some attorneys. I have some friends that are attorneys. But I wouldn't recommend it. So who do you turn? Who do you trust? You know, one of the things that we at Schweitzer want to do is to help people find spiritual guidance. The Pray, Study, Grow material is written every week by some people that are leaders in our church. And this is available online as well. And in a couple of weeks, they're going to take a break for the summer, and we're going to simply offer the Gospel of Mark. And it's a great opportunity, not reading a lot of Scripture every day, just a couple of weeks, and, and just working your way through the Gospel of Mark and really looking and thinking about Jesus. Well, let's read on in verses 2 and 3. Here's how you test for the genuine Spirit of God. Everyone who confesses openly his faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came as an actual flesh and blood person, comes from God and belongs to God. 
And everyone who refuses to confess faith in Jesus has nothing in common with God. This is the spirit of Antichrist that you heard was coming. Well, here it is, sooner than we thought. <coughs> there were people at the end of the first century that were saying, maybe Jesus really didn't come in the flesh. Maybe Jesus, this historical Jesus that we've heard about, maybe he was a ghost. Maybe he didn't really die on the cross, or maybe he really wasn't raised from the dead. This is, these are not new questions. And John, the elder, is writing to second-generation Christians to say, hey, we felt him, we touched him, we walked with him, we saw him. That's why he's so adamant, because he knows that if we miss out on who Jesus Christ is, we miss out on what is central to the faith that we have. And you and I, we're the only Jesus that many people are going to see. We're the only Bible that some people are going to read. And just as Jesus Christ really was God in the flesh, God really put on skin, and Jesus walked this earth, and, and he loved on people, and, and he lived by truth, and he was the perfect example of what a human being can be. Guess what? You and I then, who know Jesus, who walk with Jesus, it's up to us, isn't it? To live and love on Jesus and on people, too. One of the things that we offer at Schweitzer is uh, a new director of Grove Ministry, Jeff Fugit. And Jeff is a, a professor of religion. He's someone that walks deeply with Christ. And lots of times we can have intellectual questions in trying to make sense of the Bible. And we don't understand a lot of the different criticisms and the things that we're exposed to. And we recognize that there is a bias in some places against God or against just the understanding of God. And Jeff can help work through the angles with you on lots of things. And so he's a great guy to sit down with one-on-one. -on -one. He, he's with us on staff as director of Grove Ministry, and, and I invite you to, you know, if you're just trying to figure out what's, what's my spiritual path here, who can I sit down with, who, who could develop a plan for me, things for me to go by, I, rec I recommend Jeff to you. I recommend all the members of the staff to you because we're really better at spiritual direction than finding our way out of the woods. We offer this to you. We are not counselors. Your pastors are not professional counselors. We will not do sessions of counseling with people. We will do the ministry of referral. We will walk with you. We will be with you in a sense of, of bereavement and loss. We will help you connect to professional help when you need that help. But what we can offer is spiritual direction in a sense of this is the way. This is the truth. This is the life. We all mess up. We all blow it. But we are here to embody and to be Jesus with and for people. And it's not just the staff. There's a lot of people in this church that are living closely with Jesus, deeply with Jesus, and want to be that flesh, that presence in your life, in the lives of other people. That's what we're here for. Well, let's, let's read on. What's John telling us? We've got the Scriptures, we've got Jesus Christ, and we also have something else. 
Verse 4, my dear children, you come from God and belong to God. You've already won a big victory over those false teachers, for the spirit in you is far stronger than anything in the world. These people belong to the Christ-denying world. They talk the world's language, and the world eats it up. But we have come from God, and we belong to God. Anyone who knows God understands us and listens. The person who has nothing to do with God's will, of course, will not listen to us. This is another test for telling the spirit of truth from the spirit of deception. It's interesting that in the book of John, in 1 John, there's this contrast between the way of truth, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and the spirit of deception. In the spirit of truth, we were called to walk in the light, to walk in the goodness of God. There's so many spirits out there that are calling us to, to give in to darkness. You know, sin is so complicated. You ever notice that, how sin complicates our life? The big deception is, you know, if you just do this once, or if it's okay, or, or it's not going to affect anybody else, or it just makes such a mess of things. But the truth is in Jesus, doing the will of God, following his commandments, loving one another, not hating, not being indifferent, not making a practice of sin either. What a distinction from the spirit of deception that's calling a world to hate others or to be indifferent or to indulge in a sinful lifestyle at anyone's expense, to just do our own thing. So, friends, what do we do with this? What, what do we do with truth? What do you do when someone in your life that you love and you care about is really messing up? Or what are we as Christians supposed to do when we see all kinds of different stuff going on in the world? Do we get our megaphone out? Do we shout at people down? Do we judge people? Do we condemn people? Is that what we're supposed to do with the truth? Or is there a different approach? You know, Jesus Christ told a story. You've probably heard this story. I'm going to tell it really quick. About a father of two sons. And we call it the prodigal son. And the son chooses to leave home and to deny his father and to leave the family and to live his life the way he wants to live in crazy, reckless living. And then Jesus says, when the son comes home, he's just so desperate. He's just going to beg his father for room and board and be some servant or slave in his field. But do you know where the father is? Do you remember the story? The father is on the front porch. The father is looking and waiting and longing for his son to go home, to come home. And you and I, we can get our gavel out and we can be the judge and the jury over someone's life. Or we can be the kind of person that sits on the front porch and when someone messes up and they want to come home, they want to come home to God, guess what? They know they can come. They know they're not going to receive judgment or condemnation from us. 
So I want to be the kind of a person that is sitting on the front porch, inviting people when they've messed up to come home. And sometimes we're even called to leave the front porch, aren't we? And to be the elder brother, the elder sister, the older sibling, the responsible one that just is trying to help them out. But you know, I know sometimes as a father, the hardest thing in the world was when my kids weren't exactly doing what I thought they should be doing. <laughs> you know, the temptation was to get in their face and don't you know better. And sometimes when I did that or tried that, uh, it only pushed them away. And so we need the Holy Spirit, don't we? We need this GPS system inside of us. We need this sense of what do we do with this? How do we love people? When do we speak with people? How do we have a relationship with people? How do we be Jesus to people? How do we be that spiritual guide for people? So that we don't push them away, but we're there for them when they've messed up and they want to go home. Here's some closing words of Scripture that I want us to, to look at about just the, the danger of yielding to temptation and living the life that we just don't have to do this, okay? All who indulge in a sinful life are dangerously lawless, for sin is a major disruption of God's order. Surely you know that Christ showed up in order to get rid of sin. There is no sin in him, and sin is not part of his program. No one who lives deeply in Christ makes a practice of sin. None of those who practice sin have taken a good look at Christ. They've got him all backwards. People conceived and brought into life by God don't make a practice of sin. How could they? God's seed is deep within them, making them who they are. It is not in the nature of the God-begotten to practice and parade sin. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, I thought we we're supposed to confess our sins. Yes. You may say, well, I thought that everyone sinned. Well, yes. And you might think, well, everyone probably will sin again, and I will probably sin again, and you probably would be right in saying that. But what John is telling us is, folks, it's not... It's not the pattern. It's not the way, the truth, and the life. And those who are living close with Jesus, guess what? We don't have to mess up, or we don't have to keep messing up, or we can come home, and we can live in this freedom. <laughs> we do have the Holy Spirit, and we do have the Scripture, and we do have the blood of Jesus. And so, yes, we are there on the front porch when people mess up, but guess what? It's so much better when we do not mess up, when we choose not to turn away from God, not to leave home, but to stay close to Him and to stay close in this community of faith and to walk with other people and to love on people and to say, hey, how are you doing in walking with the truth? Because, frankly, folks, I just get tired of the complications that sin is creating in this world and in our lives. And it is good to know that Jesus, his grace, his truth, 
is there for us. And when we mess up, when we fall down, he's there to pick us up. But there's a freedom. There's a better way. There's a better life that we can all live. And that's the way of Jesus. We don't have to follow the spirits of deception. We can follow the spirit of truth. I don't know how many of you are country music fans. Um, Josh Turner is uh, an artist that sang a song about 10 years ago, Long Black Train. He wrote it, sang it, hit the top of the charts. And whether you're a country music fan or not, I want to encourage you just to listen closely to the lyrics of this song because it really has a message about uh, watching out for that long black train and following the spirit of Jesus instead. There's a long black train coming down the line Feeding off the souls that are lost and crying Rails of sin, only evil remains Watch out, brother, for that long black train Look to the heavens, you can look to the sky You can find protection, looking back into your eyes there is protection and there's peace the same Burning your ticket for that long black train Cause there's victory in the Lord I say Victory in the Lord Cling to the Father and His holy name And don't Making you wonder if the ride's worth the pain He's just waiting for your heart to say Let me ride on that long black train Cause there's victory in the Lord I say Victory in the Lord to the Father and His holy name, and don't go riding on that long black From a mile away It sounds so good But I must stay away That train is a beauty Making everybody stare But its only destination Is the middle of nowhere Cause there's victory In the Lord I say 
victory in the Lord. Cling to the Father and His holy name, and don't go riding on that long black train. I said, cling to the Father and His holy name, and don't go riding on that Yeah, watch out, brother, for that long black train. That devil's a driving that long black train.